Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gautama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap, hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is our group learning program and we're studying chapter 9 in volume 1 of this book series. It's titled, What is Gamma and How Does It Affect Me? This is such a crucial topic to understand as it relates to your progress on the path to enlightenment. You would need an understanding, a deep understanding of what is Gamma and how does it affect me in order to progress to enlightenment. So I'd like to welcome you to our class today. And I'd also like to apologize for the uh, sound of my voice or any coughing or sneezing that I might do throughout the class. A little bit sick here and a little bit of impermanence of the physical body. So I appreciate if you would understand that. And let's go ahead and get right into our topic today, talking about what is gamma. Gamma or karma, which is what some people might refer to this natural law as, I use the word gamma because this is the word that's in the original source text of Gautama Buddha, where he shares his teachings. They wrote down his teachings after his death, and the version of this that we source our teachings back to in modern times is in the Pali canon. So gamma is the Pali word that is used to refer to this natural law. But you might have heard karma, which is the Sanskrit word. It's just a different language, but it's pointing to the same thing. So let's just talk generally about what is gamma, and then we'll get into much more details about this natural law. Gamma is a natural law that exists and is functioning all the time in every moment. Everything the Buddha taught is based on the natural law of Gamma. So when you learn the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Five Precepts, and all these other teachings, the Buddha is just pulling back the covers more and more and exposing you to this natural law so that you can understand it in detail. It's cause and effect or action and result. It's the results of your decisions. It's not punishment and rewards. It's just that when you when there's a certain cause there's going to be a certain effect or when there's a certain action there's going to be a certain result so for example if we kill then we're likely to be killed or injured or have all kinds of complications because of this or if we steal there's going to be certain effects or certain results if we have certain sexual misconduct or if we lie or we take substances that cause heedlessness for example these are the five precepts there's a certain cause or action a decision that we've made and there's going to be a certain effect or a certain result and this is where you can see that the buddhist teachings aren't rules or commandments or trying to force people to conform to any one particular thing what he's showing you is he's showing you this cause and effect between how we make decisions around our intentions our speech our actions our livelihood and whether our mind is disciplined or not and that cause and effect or action and result is going to result in some 
result of our decisions. And when we decide to acquire wisdom, now we have the wisdom of this natural law and we're able to better function with the wisdom of this natural law. The natural law of karma affects every being, whether you're aware of it or not. It doesn't matter whether you've studied the natural law of karma or whether you have awareness of it. It's going to affect you regardless. And this is why it's so important that you do study it, that you do understand the wisdom of the natural law of karma. Because the more that you understand it, the more you can function with this natural law of karma and the wisdom of it. When we lack the wisdom of the natural law of karma, we tend to go out into the world and do things that are unwholesome or unwise. And then we experience unwholesome results. We struggle and have difficulties in the world because of our lack of wisdom of this natural law. The unenlightened mind is ignorant or unknowing of true reality of this natural law. And this is why unenlightened beings will struggle and have difficulties in life. There's no being or entity that oversees the functioning of the natural law of gamma. It just happens as a result of our choices related to our intentions, our speech, our actions, our livelihood, and other things like this. So there isn't a supreme being, there isn't a universe who's out to get you, to punish you or reward you. If anything, beings are actually punishing themselves because with a lack of wisdom of this natural law, beings go around and make decisions that are unwise and therefore there's unwholesome results that occur. So it's not a mystical, magical, dark cloud that follows you around all the time. And there's either punishment or rewards based on the things that you do. This isn't how the natural law of gamma works. Whereas if you're polite, kind, friendly, and respectful, you're going to find that it's very easy to make friends and people very much enjoy being around you. And you'll have lots of people that are interested in spending time with you. Where if you're impolite, unkind, unfriendly, and disrespectful, you're going to find it to be a real struggle to have personal and professional relationships. This isn't any particular being controlling this. This isn't punishment and rewards. This isn't a mystical, magical, dark cloud that's following you around. This is your choices that when you choose to be impolite, unkind, unfriendly, and disrespectful, you'll find that it's very challenging and very difficult, much of a struggle to exist in the world because beings aren't going to be interested in helping you and being around. Whereas if you're polite, kind, friendly, and respectful, you'll find that people will be very willing to help you and do the things that you need to do. You will find that relationships can be very fulfilling and very rewarding. So as long as we are making certain decisions about how we conduct our life, it's wise to make decisions with the wisdom of the natural law of gamma. By making decisions with the wisdom of the natural law of gamma, then we can experience wholesome results. And when we lack the wisdom of this natural law, then we're making decisions that we might think or we might believe are helpful to the world or helpful in the world. But then when we actually go forward in life, we realize that our decisions are producing unwholesome results. And oftentimes the unenlightened mind will blame others for these unwholesome results. We lack the wisdom to see that everything we experience in life is based on our own choices. And when we lack that wisdom and we lack the wisdom of this natural law, we keep making choices that we think are wise or wholesome. But in reality, we experience undesirable results or unwholesome results. And because of that, then we struggle and have difficulties because we don't understand why these things are happening in the world. 
Essentially, what the natural law of gamma boils down to is this cause and effect or action and results, the results of our decisions. It's your life, your decisions, and your results. Awakening to the natural law of gamma is very similar to what you've done and what you've experienced awakening to other natural laws. At one point in your life, whether you were two years old, five years old, or what have you, you didn't have the wisdom of the natural law of gravity. The mind was unawakened to the natural law of gravity. But slowly but surely, you gradually learned about this natural law. You learned how to balance in terms of walking and having strength in your legs. You learned how to balance on a bicycle. You learned to place special objects that you weren't interested in falling down and breaking. You learned to place those in a certain place so that they wouldn't be likely to fall down and get broken. You learned to tie your shoes really well and ensure that they were tied sufficiently before you went out into the world so you wouldn't fall down. You learn to look at the surfaces that you walk on and actually ensure that you're walking on a nice surface. You learn how to walk, how to run, how to jump, how to hop, all these different things related to the natural law of gravity. And slowly but surely, you got to a point where you didn't fall down and hit your head or hit your elbow or hit your knee. You can actually travel all over the world now at a later age where now you can get on airplanes, you can walk on escalators and go up escalators, you can use elevators, you can do all these things because of the wisdom that you have of the natural law of gravity. Gravity. And now, in order to awaken to enlightenment, you're going to need to do the same thing as it relates to the natural law of gamma. This natural law of gamma is there and functioning all the time, not as a punishment or reward, but just the way things work, much like gravity. Nobody controls gravity. Nobody turns gravity on or off. Nobody controls it. It just functions, just like the natural law of gamma. So as you gain this wisdom of this cause and effect or action and result of the natural law of gamma, now you can make wiser decisions about things that you do in life. And this is the same thing you did with the natural law of gravity. You started making wiser decisions and therefore you started experiencing better outcomes, more wholesome outcomes. And you can do the same thing with the natural law of gamma. As you learn about this natural law with this wisdom, you can now make wiser decisions to put things like glasses that are more important to you. You can put those in special places so they don't fall down and break. You can make decisions about tying your shoes and things like this. Just like you did with the natural law of gravity, you can now make wiser decisions about how you interact with other beings, like not killing or stealing or having sexual misconduct, not lying, not taking substances that cause heedlessness. You can learn things like right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. These teachings and others The Buddha is just exposing you more and more to this natural law of gamma so that now you can make wiser and wiser decisions related to this natural law. And then that's when you'll experience more and more wholesome outcomes. What we tend to do in the unenlightened state is anything that's unwholesome that occurs in our life, we blame other people. We think that it's other people that are causing the results that we experience. But what you come to learn is everything in your life 
whether it's wholesome or whether it's unwholesome, is a result of your decisions. So you're able to get to a point where the mind is completely peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy because you deeply have trained the mind and you understand this natural law of gamma so well that as you make decisions in the world, you're never making a decision that would produce unwholesome results. And when you get to that point, you ultimately are making wiser and wiser and wiser decisions. And now over a long-term period of time, you're only experiencing wholesome results coming back to you. But as long as we lack the wisdom of this natural law, we're going to continue to make decisions that are unwise and thus are going to lead to unwholesome results. Using some of the words of the Buddha to help you understand the natural law of gamma, I'm going to be sharing these with you throughout our class today, because as you know, we should look to the words of the Buddha because he was the fully perfectly enlightened Buddha, and it's his teachings that are going to lead you to enlightenment, to understanding things like the natural law of gamma and others. Things that people have modified in his teachings, those aren't the teachings of a Buddha. They're not the words of the Buddha, so therefore they're not going to lead to this wisdom that this fully perfectly enlightened Buddha had, because other beings aren't going to be able to speak and share the teachings of the natural law of gamma and these natural laws of existence in a way that really is penetrating like the actual Buddha. So here's a few of his words around gamma. And he's, again, all of his teachings are pointing to the natural law of gamma in one way or another. So let's just look at these couple of passages in order to help you understand more about the natural law of gamma. He says, beings are the owners of their gamma, the heirs of their gamma. They have gamma as their origin, gamma as their relative, gamma as their resort. Whatever gamma they do, wholesome or unwholesome, they are its heirs. Essentially what he's saying here is only you can create gamma for yourself. Other people can't create gamma for you because their decisions, their results. Your decisions, your results. So here in this passage, when he says beings are the owners of their gamma, heirs of their gamma, what he's sharing here is only you can actually create gamma for yourself. Other people can't do that. This other passage here, he shares, the results of gamma, I say, is threefold to be experienced in this very life or in the next rebirth or on some subsequent occasion. So any decisions that you make now in this life, you're going to experience either the wholesome or unwholesome results of those decisions in this life, in your next rebirth, if you aren't enlightened and you actually are reborn, or on some subsequent occasion, which is some future existence long into the future. If you attain enlightenment in this life, you will have extinguished all your unwholesome karma, so there won't be any rebirth in a future life to experience any of that unwholesome karma because you've experienced all your unwholesome karma in this life. So what you do as part of this path is you gradually learn and awaken to the wisdom of the Buddha and you make more and more wholesome decisions. You make more and more wise decisions in this life to the point where you're only making wholesome decisions. You're only making wise decisions. So this is how you will actually extinguish your unwholesome karma. 
And we're going to talk more about that in today's class, about how you would understand this natural law of gamma more and more closely and how you can make wiser and wiser decisions so that you're only producing wholesome results rather than unwholesome results and that you can also extinguish all your unwholesome decisions in the past. So if you're learning and practicing the Buddhist teachings now, you've made unwholesome decisions in the past that are going to come back and you're going to experience those. But now through learning and practicing these teachings, you can make wiser decisions and process these things a bit better. And I'm going to explain that for you in the rest of today's class. But before we go forward, let me just pause here and see what questions you guys have. You can put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, and our moderators will see those questions and be sure that they get asked and I'll answer them during the class. If you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions or follow-up questions directly. I'm not sure. So you mentioned that the natural law of karma is not a system of punishment and reward. So how can you explain that some people are born in a certain place of the world and at a certain time where peace and love prevails, while others are born at certain places and times where there are a lot of wars? Or let's say some beings are born in the human realm or heavenly realm, while others are born to realms where they experience a lot of suffering there. Okay, so this is the results of our decisions. So what causes rebirth is craving. So if there's craving, if there's a mental longing and strong eagerness in the mind, there is rebirth because craving is the fuel that leads to the next birth. This is a choice. This is a decision that we are making to allow craving to reside in the mind. Or if we choose to eliminate craving, then that's a choice. We actually have to make that choice to eliminate craving in the mind. So that's our choice. That's a choice. That's a decision that we're making. And it's leading to some result, which is rebirth. And then upon rebirth, the gamma, the results of our decisions throughout our lives, is going to result in where we're actually reborn in terms of what country, what realm, what condition the physical body's in. So everything that we experience in this life, the next life, or some subsequent occasion is a result of our decision. So if we're born into a peaceful place where resources are readily accessible, this is a result of our decisions in our life. And if we're born in a place where there's war or difficulties, this is a result of our decisions. Nobody's controlling this. Nobody's punishing us or rewarding us. It's just the result of our decisions, a cause and effect, an action and result. It's our life, our decisions, and our results. So everything, whatever it was, big or small in our life, are all result of our decisions Absolutely. In fact, right now I have COVID, right? So I'm sick. I have COVID. This is a result of my decisions. I'm the one who chose to come to America. I'm the one who chose to go to museums where there's lots of people. I was in those environments 
And at some point, somewhere in my travels here, I contracted COVID. This is a result of my decisions. This isn't bad luck. This isn't punishment or anything like that. It's just the results of my decisions. You learning and practicing these teachings, experiencing improved condition of mind, this is a result of your decisions. That by you learning about craving anger and ignorance, by you choosing to eradicate it, by you choosing to meditate regularly and implement all the other teachings, your discontentedness is gradually diminishing as you learn and practice these teachings and eliminate the pollution of mind. These are your decisions to show up to classes, your decisions to read books, your decisions to seek personal guidance, your decisions to meditate on a regular basis, and the results are wholesome, that you're experiencing these wholesome results. And that's where the wisdom of these teachings are leading to wholesome benefits for you. But if you make decisions that are unwise, then you will experience unwholesome results. So for me, I knew coming to America that there was a lot of COVID here, and I've been leading over the last two and a half years a pretty basic existence in Thailand where people don't have very much COVID in Thailand. It's being managed really well. And I've only been going out maybe once a week to the temple, interacting with maybe eight or 12 people a week, where I knew coming here that there was a very high chance that I would contract COVID, even with vaccines and stuff like this. But I knew that COVID was diminished enough that the symptoms wouldn't be super serious that would probably end up in a hospital. And plus I had vaccines, which were going to minimize the symptoms of COVID even further. So even though I made the decisions to come here, I did that with wisdom, realizing that Yes, there's a good likelihood that I would get COVID, but it would be insignificant. I would be able to get over that and I will be sick, but think about all the people that I'll be able to help while I'm here. So there's kind of like this cost benefit analysis that goes into the mind. And the more wisdom that you have about this natural world and these natural laws of existence, you can make wise decisions that produce wholesome outcomes for yourself. So are you saying that there is nothing like good luck and bad luck? If we see two people, one of them is successful in his life, uh, uh, one person found these teachings and uh, progressed towards enlightenment, creating and developing a better and better and best life, while the other one haven't ever heard in his life or their life about these teachings. This is not a kind of good luck and bad luck. It's not good luck and bad luck. There's no such thing as luck. It's all cause and effect or action and result. Even if you purchase a lottery ticket, which I don't necessarily recommend, but even if you purchased a lottery ticket and you won $10 million, that's not good luck. It's cause and effect. You chose to show up to a place that sold lottery tickets. You chose the certain numbers that you picked or you asked the computer to choose them. And then the result was that those numbers were pulled. It, was, it wasn't luck. It's that you made the choice to go out and purchase a lottery ticket. You made the choice to choose those numbers. So it's not luck that we experience positive results in our life. If somebody's successful in terms of their career or their personal life or things that are going on in their life, they are making the choices to do those things. So if we come in contact with these teachings 
and or a teacher and we choose to go forward in learning and practicing these teachings and we're experiencing an improved condition of life and a improved condition of mind, that's the results of our decisions. Nobody forced us to do that. Nobody controlled us to do that. Those were decisions that we made. And conversely, if we choose to not learn and practice these teachings and we struggle and have difficulties in the world, that's a result of our decision. So there's no such thing as good and bad luck. It's all a result of our decisions. Everything you experience. If someone is angry and hostile to you and argumentative to you in your life and you are argumentative back, that is a result of your decisions. Because you're arguing and hostile with others, people are going to be argumentative and hostile with you. I've been practicing these teachings now for several years. People aren't argumentative and hostile to me. If there's an occasional situation where somebody is argumentative, I just ignore it and I walk away from it. And then that person has learned that they're not going to speak and they're not going to get any kind of reaction from me. So as they speak and they're argumentative, David's going to choose to not be around you. And therefore, I am around people who don't argue, who don't yell, who don't blame me for things, who don't talk in negative and unwholesome ways because I've now navigating this natural law of gamma. I only choose to do things that are wholesome and wise and then one of those wise decisions are if somebody's argumentative and aggressive, hostile and bitter with me, I choose to not be around it. Um, and then I just move on. I don't experience any painful feelings because of it, but I just choose to move on and not associate with that kind of anger and hostility and ill will. And because of that, I don't experience people who are angry and hostile and aggressive with me because they realize that they can't make it get any reaction from me so it just subsides so if you're experiencing anger and hostility and difficulties and struggles in your life this is the results of your decisions if your children are disrespectful or unkind or impolite to you that's because at different times you were disrespectful, unkind, and impolite to your children. So now what you do as part of what I'm going to share in this class is you learn how to function with the wisdom of this natural law of gamma. And now with this natural law of gamma, you choose to be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful through your intention, speech, and actions and all the other aspects of your life. And now as you do that for an elongated period of time, your children will learn from you how to be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. And that's what they will be with you. Your neighbors, your friends, your colleagues, your family, you will ultimately be practicing in such a way that all that people ever see from you is the right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, being polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. And over an extended long-term period of time, then people will start functioning with you that way. Or if people continue to be hateful, then you might just choose to move on from the relationship and not be around that person. And that's how you clean up your gamma from the past, your old gamma, which is something we're going to be talking about today. Well, uh, Tony has his hand raised. Let's go to him. Thank you, Teacher David. I'm just going to lower my hand because you answered it in the last uh, the last sentence. So I guess my question was, uh, if a person has developed a lot of negative gamma, how do we go about changing that to be more positive? The way that you improve your gamma is by practicing the Eightfold Path. 
because in the past we've spoken harsh, we've spoken aggressive, we were hostile, we were bitter, you know, we had wrong action, you know, maybe we stole, maybe we had sexual misconduct, maybe we did different things. And of course, all of us have done those things in the past. And now our life is whatever it is, accumulation of those things. And we made some wise decisions along the way too, but we were making unwise decisions. So now you ramp up the full path more and more. And let's just say you could snap your fingers and get to perfection of the full path right now today. It's not possible, but let's just say you were, you snapped your fingers and you instantly got to perfection of the Eightfold Path. It's still gonna take you a few years to be practicing the Eightfold Path to perfection, to burn off the decisions that you made in the past so that now your life is nothing but wholesome results. So that's how we actually burn off and eliminate the unwholesome gamma from the past is by making only wise decisions today. The way that I think about this is if you think about a garden hose and this garden hose is kind of full with mud inside the garden hose. If you turn on the water at the spigot, it's going to put pure water into the garden hose. And as that garden hose gets water, that pure water coming into the garden hose, it's going to spit mud for a while. It's going to spit lots of mud because that's all the unwholesome gamma. And then you're going to get this pure water and then you're going to get mud and then you're going to get pure water and then you're going to get mud so it's going to kind of spit this pure water and mud for a while where you're going to experience wholesome results you're going to experience unwholesome results based on your decision to only put pure water into the hose but then eventually if you leave that pure water running long enough then you clear out this entire garden hose of all the dirty packed mud and you get nothing but pure water out the end of the garden hose to the point where you could actually drink it probably in some countries. So this is what's going on with your life is we've been putting all this dirty mud into the decisions that we've been making. And because we choose to now turn on the pure water, there's still going to be spitting of this mud coming out the garden hose because of our past decisions. But the more and more wholesome decisions that we put into our life, the more and more wise decisions we make, it's going to slowly but surely spit out all this mud. All these unwholesome decisions are going to get burned off as they come back to us. We now deal with them in a different way, where in the past, if somebody was argumentative to us, we might have argued right back with them. We might have even done some unwholesome actions to hit them or throw things at them or what have you. But now with the wisdom of this natural law, if someone's argumentative with us, we just choose to remain quiet and don't argue back with them. Or we just choose to walk away and ignore it, right? So when we do something different, when we make different choices, we will experience different results. But if we keep making the same choices we made in the past, we're going to continue to experience the same results, which is dirty water. So we need to put more and more pure water into this garden hose for an extended long-term period of time so that we get nothing but pure water. And that is the wholesome decisions. That's the wise decisions. Putting more and more wholesome decisions into your life, you'll experience more and more wholesome outcomes. Well, let's go to Denise. I have a question for our comma, and it accumulates, but... When you're a child too, I mean, me, myself, I was a very violent child. I mean, I didn't know any better. Now I tend to value, you know, peace and other things, but I still have to run off that comma from when I was a child or 
you've already been burning off some of that gamma. So if you were more hostile, more bitter when you were a child, over the course of your life, you've been gradually evolving to now you value peace more readily, which is what you just said. So you've been gradually making decisions to be more peaceful without truly understanding this natural law of gamma fully. So you've already been evolving and burning off some of the unwholesome gamma already. But now when you get into the Buddhist teachings and you deeply start understanding the full path and all the other teachings, now through practicing that you can truly burn off your gammas. This is where people can get to enlightenment in just a few years, potentially, depending on what your life has been like in the past. So now with this deep wisdom of the Eightfold Path and being able to have resources and guidance to be able to help you, you're improving the results of your decisions because now you're choosing to get closer and closer to understanding this natural law of gamma through learning the teachings of the Buddha. And that's where you're drastically improving your gamma. Where in the past, you were improving it, it sounds like, because you value peace more readily, but you didn't exactly know how to get to that peace. And that's where the Buddhist teachings are going to help you. Thank you, teacher. Thank you. You're very welcome. (laughs) Well, Jeanne has her hand raised. Let's go to her. Thank you, Basim. Thank you, teacher David. How would we understand a genetic illness that's been passed down through a family and has poor health and outcomes over generations. This is still the results of our decisions. It's our gamma. Because what family we're born into is a result of decisions that we've made in our past lives. So whether we're reborn or not is based on our craving. But in what condition, what realm, what condition the physical body is in is based on our gamma, the results of our decisions. So if we're born blind, for example, this is a result of our decisions from past lives. So we call it genetics, that it's being hinted down from our family, but what family we're actually born into is a result of our decisions, our gamma, cause and effect, or action and results. So this would be true if, for example, um, in my family, my great-grandfather went blind from glaucoma and his son and my father and now I'm going blind from glaucoma so there's multiple generations that have this same condition Mm -hmm. and I find it hard to understand how that would happen yeah so the Buddha talks in his teachings and other parts where he says that if we attempted to understand the exact cause of our karma it would lead to either frustration or madness because there's not this one for one. It's not like, okay, in a previous life, Jan poked somebody in the eye, so therefore she's going to get glycoma in this life. It's not that way. It's not this kind of punishment and rewards. It's not this exact one for one. It's not like decision 1,500, Jan did X, so therefore 1,533 decisions later, Jan gets glycoma. That's not the way that any of this works. It's a cause and effect or action and result that based on decisions that you made in the past, you were born into this family. It's not a punishment. It's just a result of decisions, just cause and effect or action and result. And if you try to get it any more detailed in terms of, you know, exactly why does Jan have glycoma? 
the Buddha shares that it would lead to either madness or frustration. So just know that it's a result of being born into this family and your relatives, your elders have glycoma, so you're likely to contract glycoma. And that's just the results of decisions of having been be re reborn into this family. Thank you, Teacher David. Yeah, and one thing I'll add to the end of that, Jan, is uh, potentially this will be your last life, so you won't need to be reborn ever again and experience anything like this with the physical body. So getting to enlightenment would ensure that you don't come back into any kind of existence ever again, and therefore you won't experience these kind of difficulties with the human body. Well, so attaining enlightenment means extinguishing all current karma, I mean karma that have been produced or generated from this current life and all previous lives, right? Yes, there's something I'm going to share with you today, which is old gamma and new gamma. You need all your new gamma to be wise decisions and wholesome. And then as your old gamma is coming back to you, you need to burn off those unwholesome decisions. But I'll explain it to you when we get to that point in our class. So let's go to Christy. Okay. I'm not exactly sure how to ask the question that is in the mind right now, but I'm going to try my best. I understand the natural law of karma and the action and result. It's a struggle for me because of my Catholic upbringing. But what the question is, is the unwholesome karma experienced due to someone else's practice. For example, like seeing someone else hurting themselves, that feels like unwholesome karma to me. And if it's like a child, it feels like a lot of blame or pressure to think that everything, every unwholesome practice is a, that they're practicing is a result of the way they were brought up. Or like if they're speaking poorly to you, it's because you've spoken poorly to them. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure how to understand that. I do understand it and I know like if I speak poorly to my child, my child's gonna speak poorly to me. But when that practice stops, and if it has stopped for a significant amount of time, and that child still continues to have poor practice or harm themselves, is that then still unwholesome karma or attachment that discontentedness arises, sir? Does so, that make any sense? Yeah, there, there's two aspects to your question here. Anytime discontentedness arises, it's always going to be craving desire attachment. So if you're experiencing discontentedness, seeing a child harm themselves, that's because you have craving desire attachment for that child to be well. And it's not that you're right or wrong, because it would be wonderful if every child was well and, and wholesome and well taken care of and comfortable, but that would be permanent. It doesn't happen. So any kind of discontentness that is ever experienced, pleasant feelings, painful feelings, or neither painful nor pleasant is always caused by craving desire attachment. But the fact that this child is doing the things that they're doing, that's their decision. So if a Let's say a child at 25 or 30 years old had a really rough life growing up, and then at 25, 30, they moved back in with their parents. And now when they move back in with their parents, let's just say they're abusing drugs, they're talking poorly, they're doing different things in the household that is causing difficulties in the house to live with this person. 
Well, the parent has chosen to allow this child to come into their home. That's their choice. And now they're seeing and confronted with these things. And then also, earlier in life, when this child was growing up, the parent maybe didn't have the wisdom to guide this child when they were two or five or eight or 10 or 12 or 16. So now at the age of 25 or 30, this child is now maybe uh, having difficulties in life. The parent didn't cause those difficulties if the parent just lacked the wisdom of how to guide this child in a way that would produce wisdom for that child. That child is lacking the wisdom of the natural law of gamma. So they're choosing to harm themselves through maybe taking substances or maybe trying to harm the physical body with different things, maybe trying to commit suicide or things like this. So when that parent has gone 25, 30 years without the wisdom of how to guide this child, the child is still making decisions on their own. That child at the age of 12 or 16 or 18 or 25 could have chose to go out and get the wisdom themselves knowing that their parent lacked that wisdom they could have chose to go out and get the wisdom but they chose on their own instead to continue to lack this wisdom continue to have this ignorance or unknowing of true reality continue to harm themselves through decisions of using substances and so forth but once the parent chooses for this child to now move back into their house they're choosing to now be confronted with this and take this on. So that is the result of that parent's decision. The discontentedness is being caused by craving, desire, attachment, but experiencing the results of the child's decisions at the age of 25 or 30 to now live in the household and do things that are harmful in the household, that is a result of the parent's decision that they're allowing that to occur in their household. The decision to do the harmful things is the decision of the child at 25 or 30 years old. But the decision for those to occur in your household, if this was occurring, is your decision because you're allowing that to happen because you've chosen for them to come back into the household knowing that they lack the wisdom of this natural law and they're making unwise decisions. Thank you for clarifying that. That does make sense. Okay. And we can talk more about this, Chrissy, as you would like to have personal discussions and things like that. I'm sure that that will also help you a lot. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, on Zoom, Tonka writes, but still, no matter how wholesome decisions we make, we will get old and sick and have pains. Yes, this is just impermanence. Uh, that's not a unwholesome decision. The unwholesome decision that we made is in previous lives, we still had craving, uh, so therefore there was rebirth. And as long as there's rebirth, there's going to be sickness, aging, and death. There's going to be pain in the physical body. So the decisions that we made in previous life to not get enlightenment for craving to persist means that there's going to be rebirth. And we're going to experience sickness, aging, death, pains because of the permanence of the physical body. But now, understanding this wisdom, you can get to the point where you get to enlightenment in this life, where even as an enlightened being, you're still going to experience impermanence of the physical body. There's still going to be aging. There's still going to be sickness. There's still going to be death. But this is the last time once you get to enlightenment.
punishment. You will no longer experience this ever again. And you'll know that because your mind will be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. And you will have done a lot of work to get to that point. And then having got to that point, you'll know that there's never going to be any further rebirth for you to experience this again. And that is the wise decisions. That's the wholesome results of your decisions is that you'll never experience life in existence ever again because you've extinguished the conditions that are causing rebirth. The condition that's causing rebirth is craving. Why does craving exist? Because of ignorance or the unknowing of true reality. When we antidote ignorance with wisdom, and now we have the wisdom to eliminate craving, now we eliminate the causes and conditions that are creating discontentedness, but we also eliminated the causes and conditions that are creating rebirth. So we're kind of getting a two for one there. Many thanks, teacher. No more questions for now. All right. So let's go on to discussing the different types of gamma. I describe wholesome gamma and unwholesome gamma, as well as old and new gamma. These are the only four types of gamma that you're going to need to understand in order to get to enlightenment. Wholesome gamma is decisions that you've made that are harmless. When you make decisions that are harmless to other beings and to yourself, then there's going to be wholesome gamma. So when we choose to not kill, steal, have sexual misconduct, lie, or take substances that cause heedlessness, those are harmless decisions. Therefore, there's going to be wholesome results. When we choose to practice right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, for example, those teachings that the Buddha are sharing with us there are helping you to understand how to make harmless decisions. And when you make harmless decisions, then because you're not causing harm to beings, then there's no harm that comes back to you. There's only wholesome results or wholesome gamma. Conversely, if you make harmful decisions, then there's going to be unwholesome results or unwholesome gamma. Harmful decisions are things like killing, stealing, having sexual misconduct, lying, and taking substances that cause heedlessness. When you make decisions that are doing those things, you're causing harm to beings, so therefore harm is going to come back to you. If you are not practicing right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood. If you don't practice the wisdom of what the Buddha is sharing, you're harming other beings. So for example, that five factors are well-spoken speech. To speak at the right time, what you say is true, you speak gentle, you speak beneficially, and you speak with a mind of loving kindness. When you do the opposite, when you speak at the wrong time, when you are speaking untruths, when you speak harsh, when you speak unbeneficially, and when you speak with a mind of hate, you're causing harm in the world. So harm is going to come back to you. So any harmful decisions that you make, this is going to produce unwholesome gamma or unwholesome results. So this is wholesome and unwholesome gamma, harmless versus harmful. Whenever you're in a decision that you're attempting to make, you need to look at what's harmless and what's harmful. And oftentimes the way you perceive harmless or harmful isn't necessarily 
what is harmless or harmful. So for example, let's use Chrissy's example that she brought up, I'm sure just out of the blue, where maybe there's some things that are happening in a home where maybe there's a 25, 30, 40 year old child who's moved back in with the parents and the parents have chosen to allow this child to move back in. If that parent realizes all these harmful things that their child is doing in the home and they choose to ask this child to leave and to no longer live in the home, this isn't necessarily harmful, right? Because this child at the age of 30 or 40 has moved back into the home and maybe they're stealing from mom and dad. Maybe they're breaking things in the home. Maybe they're causing difficulties in the home life. That child at the age of 30 or 40 is causing harmful decisions. They're making harmful decisions in the home. As a result of their decisions, the parent may now say, you need to leave. You can no longer be here. And that's not necessarily harmful. That can actually be the best thing that you ever do for this child because now this child is realizing the results of their decisions. By causing harm, harmful things are gonna happen in terms of you're not gonna be able to stay here. And it's not that the parent is causing the harm in this situation. It's that the child themselves are making decisions to do harmful things. So now people aren't interested in having you live in the home. This is just an example out of the blue, right? So when you're looking at harmless and harmful decisions, it doesn't always mean that you give everybody what you want. I can give you an example from my life. We were at the mall the other day with Bailan and he was looking at all these PlayStation games and he was really wanting them. And I could see he was having a bit of craving. So I kind of found a way to put that on hold. And I said, let's go to the Lego store and look at the Lego store and see if there's something that you might like there instead. So when we go to the Lego store, he found this $500 Lego set that there was no way that myself or my wife was going to buy this for him but he was really wanting it and you could see his craving coming up and eventually after talking in the store a little bit my wife uh, has been making a little bit of money here doing massage and she says all right Bailan if you would like to buy one of these $20 Lego sets you can buy one of those and he says oh that's a bad deal that's not fair that's not a that's not a good deal I'm not taking that deal that's a bad deal so then I look at my wife and I said, well, there you go. You heard it. It's a bad deal. So let's leave. So we ended up leaving the store. So we didn't try to convince him to take that $20 Lego set. And we weren't causing him harm by choosing not to buy him this Lego set. We were showing him that when he speaks and he's complaining about his mom offering him this $20 Lego set and he chooses to speak in that way, he's learning that when you speak in this way and you're uh, complaining, people aren't going to be willing to buy things for you. So, of course, he didn't get the $500 Lego set, but he also didn't get the $20 one either as a result of his decisions. So your decisions that you make, if you're seeing people functioning in harmless ways and they're very loving and kind and polite and respectful, then you're going to have an interest in being around these people. And they might make them your friends or your colleagues or your employees. You might be very much enjoying spending time with them, going out to food together or going to the park together. But where you see people doing harmful things, 
you're not going to be interested in being around that. And it's okay for you to make choices that when people are doing harmful things, that you don't go forward and continue to make decisions that will encourage their harmful decisions. So where you see people making harmful decisions, you can make decisions that ensure that their harmful decisions aren't going to continue and affect you. So in this situation where a child moves into your home, if you continue to choose to have them in your home, they're just going to continue to make harmful decisions over and over and over and over again. We call this an enabler, that we're enabling these harmful decisions to occur, where when we make a decision to not allow this person to be in our home, for example, now we can preserve our contentedness. We can protect our contentedness and create a home life where there's not people living here that are creating harmful decisions. So this wholesome and unwholesome gamma is all about our decisions that we should aim to only make harmless decisions and no longer make any harmful decisions. But as it relates to the people around us, when we're making harmless decisions, just because we ask a child to leave our home or just because I choose to not buy Bailan a $20 Lego set, this isn't causing harmful decisions. This can actually be really, really helpful for them to learn. So be sure you always look at your decisions and who you choose to involve in your life. And if people are making harmful decisions around you, then your decision to be their friend or your decision to have them live with you, it's going to affect you. So what you would like to do is cultivate an environment where people are making harmless decisions, including you, that you're only making harmless decisions, not harmful decisions. Because a harmful decision that you would make would be to allow a 30 or 40 year old child to live with you who's causing all kinds of harm in the household. That's a harmful decision that you're making. And now as a result, you're having to deal with these harmful decisions that this person is making. You're not creating the harmful decisions that they're making. Your harmful decision was allowing them to come live with you. And now to get to harmlessness, maybe asking them to leave might be the best thing to do in that situation. So always looking to create harmlessness and ensuring that the people around you are also making decisions based on harmlessness. So this is where the Buddha talks about cultivating wholesome friends, companions, and comrades. So if you're making friends or you're choosing a life partner, you would like to be sure that your friends, your life partner, the people around you are making harmless decisions. If you see that people around you are making harmful decisions, those are their harmful decisions and they're going to affect them. But your decision to be friends with them or to associate with them or have them in your home, that's your decision. And now their decisions are going to affect you based on your decision to include them in your life. Now let's talk about old gamma and new gamma. Old gamma are decisions that you've made in the past that are affecting you now. So a perfect example of this is the physical body that you currently have and the capability of your mind. These are decisions that you've made in the past and past lives and in past decisions of this life. 
So any decisions that you've made in the past are going to affect you now based on past decisions. So if I lacked the wisdom to guide a child and I had a child and now that child at later in life is doing harmful things, yes, this is the results of my decisions in the past. But at a certain point, that child is old enough to make their own decisions. And if they lack the wisdom, because I lack the wisdom as a parent, they need to take the responsibility to now make wiser decisions for themselves. Or if I cheated on my taxes three years ago, and now three years later, I'm getting a penalty notice that I cheated on my taxes, that is a result of my decisions. It's old gamma. Or if I stole a car two years ago and now the police found out about it and they come to arrest me, that is an old decision. That's a past decision. That's old gamma. That's the results of my decisions in the past. Where now, learning these teachings, you would never steal a car. But because you made these decisions in the past, it's going to come back and harm you now if you made unwise decisions in the past. So you need to get to the point where you understand new karma, where new karma is any new decisions that you're making. If you make current decisions through your intention, speech and actions and other things like livelihood and things like this, if you're making wholesome decisions, if you're making wise decisions in the present moment, Now you're putting more and more wholesome decisions, more and more harmless decisions, more and more wise decisions into the world. So now your new gamma is going to be wholesome, where we have some unwholesome gamma and wholesome gamma from the past as well. Those old decisions are going to lead to results that we're experiencing right now. But with the wisdom of the Eightfold Path and all the other Buddhist teachings, you would like to create all new decisions that are only wise, that are only wholesome, that are only harmless. And by you doing that in the current moment, in the present moment, making only wise decisions, then as time goes forward, having made more and more wise decisions, you will experience more and more wholesome results because of your wise decisions because of your wholesome decisions, because of your harmless decisions in the present moment. So let me pause here and see what questions you guys have on this. Wholesome gamma and unwholesome, as well as old and new. You can put that into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, or you can electronically raise your hand in Zoom to ask any questions that you like. So talking about old gamma, does this mean that when things happen in a way that we are not expecting or a way that we do not desire, we think of it like, oh, this happened because of my unwholesome karma created in previous lives? All your unwholesome karma that you experience in this life is not from your old life, from your past life. In fact, there's no kind of dark cloud following you from one life to the next and then now you experience things from your last life. The way that you actually generate gamma in this life and you experience gamma from your past life is that because of craving in your mind from your past life, that craving and residual memories come forward into your current life. And now in your current life, based on your cravings, you're going to be making decisions in this life that are going to affect you in this life. The craving is from your past life, 
in this example, but you're making decisions in this life based on craving from your past life. That's how you experience the results of past lives. So for example, when I was in a past life, I was a carpenter and I was really interested in doing carpentry work and I did that a lot in one of my previous lives. When I was reborn into this life, I still had that craving to do carpentry work. And doing carpentry work is wholesome. And when I was going through life, I just had this unquenchable thirst to do all this carpentry work, this handyman work. So when I graduated college, my grandmother helped me to purchase a condo. And this condo was fairly new, but I essentially ripped out all the floors. I took out all the baseboards. I ripped out all the flooring ripped out the drywall. I basically rebuilt this condo from scratch, a good portion of it, because of this craving to do carpentry work. I've never been trained to do carpentry work. I've never taken classes on that. I just had this craving to do it. And then at other points in my life, I did the same thing. So the craving from a previous life came into this life and now I started making decisions in this life based on cravings that existed in previous lives. So if you murdered somebody in a past life, for example, and you haven't murdered anybody in this life, you're not going to automatically experience gamma of being murdered from a past life necessarily. But because you murdered in a past life, you still have craving to cause harm to beings in this life and now the mind is more hateful more harmful and now because you're making decisions to harm beings in this life now you're creating harm in this life and these are results of this life but it's also results from your previous life which is what the buddha explained to you because of the craving to harm other beings you're harming beings in this life and now you're experiencing that in this life well some people think in this way I walked in the street 10, 20, 30 times. One of these times, one dog bite me, but the other times, dogs didn't bite me. So this was because of previous unwholesome karma from previous lives. Do you agree with this uh, understanding or view? I don't agree with that because it's too easy for the mind to kind of blame things that are happening in this life on things that occurred in your last life. And then that kind of avoids the uh, ability for the mind to look at the decisions that you're making in this life, which produce certain results in this life. So if you walk down this street 25, 30 times and dogs never bit you, but yet you still choose to walk down this street, then that dog biting you is just a result of your decision. You knew that these dogs were on the street. You continue to walk down this street. There's all these stray animals. And as a result of your decisions, there was a dog that uh, attacked you. So if you relate everything that you're experiencing in this life based on past lives, then the mind doesn't look at the decisions you're making in this life and then improve those. The Buddha himself even shares as part of the natural law of gamma that everything that we experience in this life is not based on past decisions. If you believed that, then there's no way for you to make improvements in this life because you can't go back to your past lives and change the decisions that you made. If everything that you're experiencing in this life is based on past lives, then you have no ability to be able to improve your life today because you can't go back to that life in the past and fix that. So the Buddha discounts this and explains how this isn't true. So what you should always do is look at the decisions you're making today in this life 
that led to certain results that you're experiencing because then you can make improved decisions that are going to create improved results. Well, so is there a benefit in reflecting and analyzing the mind to see the cravings that were in the mind when I was a child to see what cravings have been transferred from previous lives to this current life? It can help you understand why certain things occurred in your life, but if they're in the past, they're in the past. I had a whole lot of experiences all through this life. And then when I started investigating these teachings and looking at this natural law of gamma, the Buddha was explaining exactly why I was experiencing all the things that I experienced. So it helped me to realize that things that I experienced in this life, some of those were as a result of cravings from past lives that got transferred into this life. And then a lot of those were based on decisions that I was making in this life. So then that was motivation to improve the decisions in this life. So looking back on the past can help you confirm and independently verify the natural law of gamma, but I don't suggest you get too wrapped around that because the ultimate goal is to make decisions now in the present moment that leads to wholesome results. Well, on Zoom, Tonka writes, but due to impermanence, we can't have just wholesome karma no matter what? You can because impermanence is always constantly changing, but by the time you get to enlightenment, the mind is completely purified of the conditions that are producing unwholesome karma. It's craving anger and ignorance, which is the next thing I'm gonna share with you guys, that produces all unwholesome karma. It's generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom that produces all wholesome karma. So, in the unenlightened state, the mind has craving, anger, and ignorance. So you're still making decisions through craving, anger, and ignorance. So your decisions are going to be tainted to a certain degree. But once you purify the mind and you get to this unconditioned mind, the unconditioned mind can always make decisions through the wholesome roots of generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. So all conditioned objects are going to arise, change, and fade away, though that is impermanence. But unconditioned objects, they don't arise, they don't change, and they don't fade away. So when you have this conditioned mind, which is conditioned by craving anger and ignorance, then you're going to be making decisions that are unwise, and you're going to be creating harmful decisions that lead to unwholesome results. But when your mind is unconditioned, meaning you've purified it of unwholesome conditions, now because of this unconditioned mind, you can always make decisions that are based in generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom, and you can get to a point where you're never causing any harm. You will still experience impermanence, but you will understand that impermanence and you will only make decisions that are wise and therefore you will only experience wholesome results. Well, let's go to Chrissy. The question is, would an enlightened being still experience if there was unwholesome karma generated due to impermanence, would they then not experience the discontentment but experience the unwholesome karma? So an enlightened being has already extinguished all their unwholesome karma. So an enlightened being is no longer going to experience any unwholesome karma. 
those still experience sickness in the body because of impermanence, right? The body's impermanent. Somebody, an enlightened being, can't experience permanent health because of the impermanence of the physical body. Even an enlightened being has to die, for example. So this physical body is still impermanent. So there's still going to be sickness, aging, and death for an enlightened being, but that's not because of unwise decisions right now. It's because of the craving that they experienced in the past life. It led to this existence in this life. So because there's a human existence, they're going to experience sickness, aging, and death. But even during a time when an enlightened being is experiencing sickness, aging, and death, their mind will be completely calm and peaceful, serene, and joyful, even when they're sick, for example, or as they're aging. So an enlightened being has already extinguished all their unwholesome karma. But in the process of becoming enlightened, a being is going to be learning and practicing these teachings, and they're getting more and more ramped up on the eightfold path and understanding something like the natural law of gamma. And now as they're making wiser and wiser decisions, they're still going to be experiencing unwholesome results of their past decisions. And as they experience those unwholesome results of their past decisions, their old gamma, now they're going to choose to do something different. Where in the past, they would make decisions without the knowledge and wisdom of the natural law of gamma, which would continue to lead to more unwholesome results. But this being who's on the path to enlightenment, aspiring for enlightenment, as their unwholesome gamma is coming back to them, they learn how to extinguish that. They learn how to eliminate it so that by the point they get to enlightenment, their entire life, they're experiencing nothing but wholesome results. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Well, no more questions for now. All right. So let's move on to the next thing that I have to share with you guys, which is the origination of unwholesome gamma. So I'm going to share with you the origination of unwholesome gamma and the origination of wholesome gamma. Because last week we studied the three poisons or the three unwholesome roots or the three fires. These are actually the three pollutions that are in the mind at a high level. The 10 fetters explain the detailed pollution, individual 10 aspects of mind where the mind is tainted or fettered or polluted, and there's antidotes at that level. But up here at this higher level of craving, anger, and ignorance, the Buddha is explaining that all unwholesome karma is produced based on craving, anger, and ignorance. So as long as you have craving or desire or attachment, you're going to make decisions through selfish desires. And therefore, when you're making decisions through those selfish desires, it's going to produce harm in the world, so harm is going to come to you. As long as you have anger, hatred, and ill will in the mind, you're going to be having unskillful conduct. It's going to motivate unskillful speech, actions, and then you're going to be putting those into the world and harm is going to come back to you because of your unwholesome karma. When you make unwholesome decisions through craving and anger, you're putting that out into the world. Your decision is tainted or polluted with craving or anger. And the reason why all of this is occurring is because of the ignorance or the unknowing of true reality, the confusion, the misunderstanding of how this natural world works. And when you're lacking wisdom, 
you're going to be making unwholesome decisions. You're going to be making unwise decisions that lead to unwholesome results. So as long as craving anger and ignorance is allowed to persist in the mind, you're going to continue to make unwise decisions that lead to unwholesome results. But through you gradually learning, gradually training the mind, gradually practicing these teachings, you'll experience this gradual progress where you're able to make wiser and wiser decisions about the things that you do in life. You'll be able to make wiser decisions as it relates to your job, to your children, to your friends, to your family, to where you choose to live, all the different decisions that you make in your life. As you eliminate the pollutions of craving anger and ignorance, you will make wiser and wiser choices in the world. So the Buddha explains that to you here just simply. He says, monks, there are these three causes for the origination of unwholesome karma. What three? One, craving is the cause for the origination of unwholesome karma. Two, anger is the cause for the origination of unwholesome karma. Three, ignorance is the cause for the origination of unwholesome karma. And remember, you don't believe what the Buddha is sharing here. You learn it, then you start reflecting on it. You start reflecting on your life and decisions that went really well for you and produced wholesome results, you will see that you weren't functioning through craving anger and ignorance. And then decisions where you experienced unwholesome results, you'll see that you were functioning through craving anger and ignorance. So you can look back over your life and see this to be true. You can independently verify this through your reflections. You can even look out at the world at things like war or corrupt politics or murders and rapes and famine and poverty and things like this. You can look at out the world and you can see how all of these are being caused by craving anger and ignorance these things and countless others, any unwholesomeness that we experience in the world is a result of our decisions. So even the fact that COVID is in the world and we're experiencing this in the human population, this is a result of our decisions. Because we had craving to kill animals and eat animals, there's this market in China that we feel is where COVID originated from that virus of COVID was in the animal realm and it jumped its way into the human world and now it's spread all throughout the world and we're experiencing this sickness, we're experiencing this death and this is all because of our craving to eat meat. There's a certain amount of anger, hatred and ill will to kill animals and other beings and all of this is coming from our ignorance or the unknowing of true reality, the lack of wisdom that when we kill and we cause harm to others, harm is going to come to us. And here we are experiencing over the last several years this COVID and there's been countless people that have died. There's been countless people that have been sick. This is the results of our decisions because we're causing harm. Harm is coming to us. So once you learn this and then you start reflecting on it and you see that it's more and more true, then you start practicing in a way to eliminate craving, anger and ignorance. 
Craving is eliminated through breathing mindfulness meditation and practicing generosity. Anger is eliminated through practicing loving kindness meditation and practicing loving kindness in daily life through your intentions, speech, and actions. And then ignorance is transformed by acquiring wisdom, learning the teachings of the Buddha, not believing them, but independently verifying them through books, through classes, through personal guidance. You are then able to reach out and learn these teachings through your own decisions and now through your own decisions of being able to cultivate the wisdom of these teachings, you will learn how to eliminate craving, you will learn to eliminate anger, and you're arising more and more wisdom by making wiser and wiser choices. This is how a being eliminates craving, anger, and ignorance, and they eliminate their unwholesome karma because now the mind is purified. The mind is purified in that now we can practice the wholesome roots, or we can transform these three poisons into practicing these three wholesome roots. The three wholesome roots are generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. These are the antidotes or the wholesome roots, or this is how to extinguish the fires that are causing these unwholesome outcomes in our life. So the Buddha says, monks, there are these three other causes for the origination of wholesome gamma. What three? Non-craving or generosity is the cause for the origination of wholesome gamma. Two, non-anger or loving kindness is the cause for the origination of wholesome gamma. Three, non-ignorance or wisdom is the cause for the origination of wholesome gamma. So here you learn this from the Buddha you don't believe it, you start reflecting on it. Again, look at your life and past decisions that you've made. When you function through generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom, you will see that wholesome results came back to you. So as you arise more and more generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom, you'll make wiser decisions and you'll experience improved outcomes in your life. This is the cause and effect or action and result. By you improving the decisions that you're making, you will experience improved outcomes. If we remain functioning through craving, anger, and ignorance, this is unwise. These are unwholesome roots, and it's going to produce unwholesome results in our life. Let's talk about how to eliminate unwholesome karma now that you understand the way that we're producing unwholesome karma is through craving, anger, and ignorance. So, of course, we need to transform the mind to practicing the wholesome roots of generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. But how do you do that? How do you transform the mind from unwholesome to wholesome? It's the Eightfold Path. The Eightfold Path is teaching you the perfect plan of how to cultivate the mind and develop the mind away from craving, anger, and ignorance and towards generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. So through learning, reflecting, and practicing the teachings that lead to enlightenment, a practitioner is training the mind to produce only wholesome gamma. Because when you train the mind to practice something like right view, where you accept responsibility for your emotions, for your feelings, that you start to understand that it's craving, desire, attachment that is causing all the discontentedness in the mind, and you no longer blame others, but instead you focus on eliminating craving, desire, attachment. This is the truth. This is now focusing on the real problem. 
When you start practicing right intention, where you are practicing the intention of renunciation, the intention of non-ill will, the intention of harmlessness, this is the thought or the thinking of letting go, of practicing goodwill, of not causing harm to others. When you start practicing right speech, where you're not lying, you're not gossiping, you're not slandering, you're not having harsh speech, you're practicing the five factors of well-spoken speech, which is practicing to speak at the right time, what you say is true, you speak gentle, you speak beneficially and with a mind of loving kindness. Now you're changing the decisions about the way you're functioning in the world. You're no longer performing unskillful conduct through your speech, you're only putting out wholesome speech through the five factors of well-spoken speech. You're no longer causing harm through your bodily actions and practicing right action where you're choosing to not steal. I'm sorry, you're choosing to not kill. You're choosing to not steal. You're not choosing to no longer have sexual misconduct and you're not causing harm through your bodily actions of taking substances that cause heedlessness of gambling or any way of causing harm through your bodily actions. You're practicing right livelihood, where in the way that you've chosen to sustain your life, you're not practicing one of the five wrong livelihoods of business and weapons, business and living beings, business and meat, business and substances that cause heedlessness, or businesses and poisons. And by you purifying your livelihood, you're not causing harm in the way that you sustain your life, and now you'll experience wholesome results. Then you're applying right effort to eliminate unwholesome qualities of mind and arise wholesome qualities in the mind. Taking the effort in daily life as you observe through right mindfulness that the mind becomes aware of these unwholesome qualities. You take the effort to cut that off and let it go and you take the effort to arise wholesome qualities. Now you would develop right concentration or singleness of mind where you're just focusing on one thing at a time. You're able to do breathing mindfulness meditation regularly. You're able to do loving kindness meditation regularly two to three times a day for 30 minutes or more per session. You're able to practice singleness of mind in your daily life where you're only focused on one task at a time. And now you're practicing right view all the way through right concentration, not because they're rules, not because they're commandments, not because there's any punishment or rewards, but you've independently verified each individual aspect of the path. You know this path inside and out, backwards and forwards, like the back of your hand, and you gradually build up to being able to practice this more and more closely all the time until the point where it's effortless. And now you're only making wholesome decisions. It's like putting that pure water into the garden hose. It's going to spit mud for a while. You're going to still experience the results of your decisions from the past that were unwise. You're going to still experience unwholesome results of your decisions in the past. But by you bringing up your practice closer and closer to the Eightfold Path, you're going to be practicing more and more purified right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And as you're doing this, you're going to be making wiser and wiser decisions, producing only wholesome gamma. And you'll be gradually extinguishing your unwholesome gamma. Because as these unwholesome results or this unwholesome gamma is returning to you from the past, now you start handling it 
through the Eightfold Path. Where in the past, if somebody argued with you or they came into your home and you caused harm, now you make wiser decisions. You start making decisions about how you interact with others that is based on the Eightfold Path. And this is how you clean up your karma, is that you choose to no longer make unwise decisions that are harmful. And when you make harmless decisions, now you're going to experience wholesome results. But you need to gradually develop this in your life, where in your personal and professional relationships, you're only making harmless decisions. So in our personal relationships, if we're making decisions based on our own cravings, our own selfish desires, then it's going to cause harm. People aren't going to be interested in spending time with us when we're making personal decisions through our own selfish desires, our own craving. Or if we have anger and hostility, bitterness, animosity, and our speech and our actions become unskillful, our personal and professional relationships are going to struggle because people aren't interested in being around a hateful, bitter uh, person with animosity. And then if we are having this lack of wisdom or this ignorance about these natural laws and about the natural law of gamma, now we're making unwise decisions through craving and anger. And now as we put those decisions out, our decisions are polluted or tainted with this craving and anger and ignorance. And now we find it to be a real struggle where we don't quite know what decisions to make. So it's by ramping up your understanding of the full path and practicing that more and more to perfection it's going to take time it's gradual training gradual practice and gradual progress but as you dial each one of these eight steps in closer and closer you'll be functioning more and more with wisdom less and less with craving anger and ignorance you'll start practicing generosity loving kindness and wisdom more readily and as you put more and more of those decisions into the world it's like getting more and more of that fresh water into the garden hose and eventually you'll get to the point where there's only fresh water coming out of the end of the garden hose so let me pause here and see what questions you guys have on what i've shared so far hey no question this time teacher all right, so let's move to the very last thing that I plan to share with you guys in today's class. This is the, called the Laws of Society, and I share this in Volume 1 in this chapter, where it's important to understand that the natural law of gamma is functioning by itself. There's nobody overseeing this natural law of gamma, so it's actually perfect in the way that it works. It doesn't have errors in the natural law of gamma. But the laws of society, they're imperfect because they're created and administered by humans. And humans cannot create, implement, and enforce equally and fairly for all beings laws of society. It's impossible because the decisions that we're making are tainted by craving anger and ignorance. So even though we go to a court of law, for example, and even though there's law enforcement officials who are working to create a perfect application of certain human laws that we have created and then we apply in a court of law, for example, they're imperfect. So you're not going to see a situation where people are accused of a crime and 
they are actually guilty of that crime and then they actually get found guilty in a court of law that sometimes people are going to be guilty of a crime and they're going to be found not guilty and there's going to be situations where people aren't guilty of a crime and they go to court and they're actually found guilty this has occurred countless times because the laws of society are imperfect they're created, implemented, and enforced by human beings, so therefore they can't be applied equally and fairly. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't try, we shouldn't make attempts to do that, but just know that they are imperfect. So if your mind is craving for these laws of society to be applied perfectly, then you're going to be discontent. Every time you see somebody who actually murdered and they are found not guilty, then you're going to be discontent. Because of impermanence, these laws of society can't be applied perfectly in a permanent fashion because human beings are not perfect in their application of human laws. But the consequences that we experience as part of the laws of society, like jails and punishment and things like this, this is an aspect of our gamma but it's not the entire results of our decisions. So if somebody ends up going to the court accused of a crime and they're found guilty and they end up going to jail or other punishments as a result of that, that is a result of their decisions. Um, and also, even if we're found not guilty, I'm sorry, if we're found guilty when we're truly not guilty, this is a result of our decisions as well. But this isn't the entire result of our decisions. Sometimes people think that life is unfair or the world is unfair because they're only looking at the laws of society. And if somebody that people feel is guilty is set free or proven to be not guilty, then we say the world is unfair. This world is unjust. But that's because you're only looking at these imperfect laws of society. When you understand the natural law of gamma, that it's a much higher law and that it's perfect, it always functions without error and without fail, then you start to come to understand that the results of our decisions is more than just whether we go to jail or not, or whether we're punished by a court or not. There's things that we experience as a result of our decisions that has nothing to do with a court. For example, we have a bad reputation. We can have sickness or disease or physical or mental pain. We can have a shortened lifespan. There can be hostility, aggression, or fights, or we can be killed in life based on our decisions. We can have a loss of income or wealth as a result of our decisions. None of these things are necessarily executed by a court of law based on laws of human beings, but these are all results of our decisions based on the natural law of gamma. We can have difficulties in relationships or securing and progressing in our employment. If there's craving, anger, and ignorance in the mind, we're going to have difficulty securing and progressing in our employment. We might have difficulty securing housing and a place to stay as a result of our decisions, not because of a court of law. But if we go into somebody's home and we cause harm in that home, then the people who live there aren't going to be interested in having us live there. So we're going to have difficulties securing housing if we're making harmful decisions in the world. We may have difficulties acquiring necessities to sustain life, 
like food, water, clothing, shelter, and medical care. This is a result of our decisions, not because of a court of law or the laws of society, but because of the natural law of gamma, not as punishment, but just as a result of our decisions to function with craving, anger, and ignorance, we're going to experience these results of our decisions. The ultimate results of our decisions that we experience as part of the natural law of gamma is discontentedness and rebirth. As long as there's craving in the mind, there's going to be discontentedness. As long as there's craving in the mind, there's going to be rebirth. These are the ultimate aspects of the natural law of gamma that we experience. We experience this anger and this ignorance as we have that in the mind, we're going to experience discontentedness and rebirth. So it's only when we antidote craving anger and ignorance with generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom that we will no longer experience discontentedness and will no longer experience rebirth. So if somebody went off and they murdered somebody, even if they were a serial killer, and they didn't get caught by human laws or the laws of society, they didn't go to jail or prison, they're still going to have a very difficult time in this world based on the natural law of gamma. They're going to have fear. They're going to have difficulties in relationships. They're going to have difficulties securing and progressing through employment. They're going to have difficulties in conducting themselves in daily life. They're going to have a high degree of discontentedness in the mind. And they are going to experience rebirth and have to experience life over and over and over again, potentially in the lower realms like hell, animal realm, and afflicted spirits. And eventually, as they continue to work their way through those realms, they will eventually make their way back to the human or heavenly realm with increased opportunities to attain enlightenment, but they're staying stuck in this cycle of rebirth. So even though somebody doesn't go to jail or go to prison based on decisions to murder, they're still experiencing the results of their decisions. So when you see the news and people are found not guilty in situations where you think they should be guilty, there's no need for your mind to get discontent about this because they're experiencing the results of their decisions. Going to prison is just one aspect of that. Or if you truly feel somebody is not guilty and they are found guilty in this particular situation, they're experiencing the results of their decisions. So if somebody, let's say, used to maybe sell drugs or they were doing harmful things on the streets and they were never caught for any of those crimes, but then let's just say something happened in their life based on associating with certain people that they get wrapped up into some criminal case and maybe truly they weren't doing anything wrong, but they were found guilty in that situation and they go off to jail. Well, this is a result of their decisions. In the past, they were doing harmful things potentially and they didn't get caught. Now, as a result of their decisions of being around certain people, even though they're not guilty of that specific crime, they were found guilty. And this is a result of their decisions. And now they're going off to prison in order to experience the results of those things. And you can look at the totality of this situation that they were making certain unwholesome decisions in their life. And now they are experiencing the results of that. The mind is going to, in this being, is going to experience results of their decisions above and beyond just the laws of society. So if your mind is craving for these laws of society be, to be applied equally and fairly, 
you will be discontent continuously as long as you have that craving. So you need to let that go. Perhaps you might be in the field of working to ensure laws are applied more equally and fairly. Wonderful. But if you have a craving to do so, you're going to experience discontentedness because it's impossible for laws of society to be applied equally and fairly across all people because of the imperfect nature of human beings having craving, anger, and ignorance in the mind. So this is everything I was going to share with you guys. I'll open up to any questions that you guys might have. You can put that into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, or you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions that you like. Well, the example that you gave about uh, the serial killer or the murderer answers a question I think many people think of, which is why throughout history we can see a politicians or rulers who had made a lot of killing, but till the end of their life, they were not found guilty till their death. So no one can escape the results of their karma, right? Exactly. That was the words of the Buddha that I shared, where beings are the owners of their kama, heirs of their kama. They have kama as their origin, as their resort, whatever they do, wholesome or unwholesome, they are its heirs. And then he talks about experiencing kama in this life, future life, or on some subsequent occasion. You can't run and hide from your kama. So if there was a ruler in the past who was a king, and they were constantly at war and killing and killing and killing and killing, and they died as that ruler with hatred in their mind, with that craving and ignorance in their mind, did they experience the results of their decisions? They probably, while they might have been wealthy and they had a lot of power, they experienced discontentedness, they experienced a bad reputation, they experienced a shortened lifespan, and they experienced rebirth throughout these various realms. So you can't run and hide from the results of your decisions. And where this can be really motivating and encouraging for you is that if you understand this deeply, that you can't run from your decisions and anything unwholesome that you put into the world, you're going to experience that. Then the wise individual would say, well, let me only make wise decisions. Let me gain the wisdom to only make wise decisions. Because if I continue to make unwise decisions in this world, I'm only going to elongate the struggles and difficulties that I experience in this world. So rather than continue to make unwholesome and unwise decisions, a wise practitioner understanding what the Buddha is sharing here in the natural law of karma would then actively apply effort to only develop wise decision making by eradicating craving, anger, and ignorance in the mind. Because if you continue to make unwholesome decisions, unwise decisions, you're just elongating your struggles and difficulties in the world. So by reading, by coming to class, by seeking personal guidance, by meditating, by learning the Eightfold Path more and more closely, you're gonna now be making wiser decisions, extinguishing your unwise, harmful decisions. And gradually, slowly but surely, you're gonna experience more and more improved results in this life. Well, is there anything that one can do to help those who uh, died, who passed away after creating a lot of unwholesome karma after their death? Nope, there's nothing you can do because each being is experiencing the results of their decisions. 
They are the ones who are the owners and heirs of their karma. So there's nothing you can do in this life to help people that have already lived because they've died, they've made their decisions in their past lives, and whatever's going to happen is based on their decisions. Even people in this life, their decisions are what's affecting them. We can make decisions in a way that perhaps influence other people, but ultimately it's their decisions that are going to lead to their results. So even people that are living right now today, they are experiencing the results of their decisions. You can make decisions for your life that improves your peacefulness, your calmness, your serenity, and your contentedness with joy. But each individual being is doing that on their own. So you can't create gamma for other people. So you could be generous, you could be loving, you could be practicing with wisdom, and your life is getting more and more improved. You see the discontentedness being gradually eliminated from the mind, but other people have to choose to eliminate their craving, anger, and ignorance from their mind for themselves to experience better results. You could be making all kinds of decisions about your intentions, speech, and actions, and livelihood, and it's improving your life. But other people have to learn that same wisdom and make the decisions for their life or else their life is going to be miserable and very difficult. So while we might be able to do things like what I'm doing, which is I'm sharing these teachings, I'm doing it in such a way that people have open access to resources, to classes, to personal guidance, and now I can help countless people in the world, whoever chooses to step forward, but I can't force somebody to get to enlightenment. I can't force them to learn and practice these teachings and neither can you. So all you can do is focus on your practice, developing your wisdom so that now you're making wiser and wiser decisions in the world. And as you do that, the people around you will be influenced by that, but you can't help somebody get to enlightenment in terms of forcing them to make decisions. They have to make their own decisions. You can help in terms of your practice and then other people observe your practice, but then they have to choose to learn and practice. Just you practicing is helpful, but they still have to make the choices to eliminate craving and your ignorance from their mind. Well, on Zoom, Rick writes, if I am facing the fruits of unwholesome karma until the last day in this body, i.e. life sentence in jail. Can I still reach full enlightenment through wholesome karma and therefore become enlightened and as a result not be reborn? I think that people in jail are actually in the ideal situation to actually attain enlightenment. Even though they are in a very difficult situation based on their choices, if someone's in a life sentence, if they understand the Buddhist teachings and they can practice the Buddhist teachings from jail, they have a very high likelihood of attaining enlightenment because there's very few possessions in jail for the mind to be attached to. There's lots of time to be able to learn and practice. They don't have to worry about a job. They don't have to worry about rent. They don't have to worry about food or clothing. All these things are provided for them. It's almost like being ordained, except they just can't leave. They still have to eliminate craving, anger, and ignorance, and they're still going to be in jail. But somebody could actually attain enlightenment from jail and then never be reborn ever again. And the conditions to actually accomplish that are ideal. If there's resources and people in the jail that are able to provide guidance, 
they are in such an ideal situation to attain enlightenment. I don't encourage anyone to purposefully go to jail for that purpose because oftentimes in jail, the one thing that they're lacking is they're lacking their resources like books and classes and things like this. And they're also lacking an individual like a teacher to reach out to to get help. But all the other conditions are really working in their favor. So if there's resources in jails like books and there's teachers that can guide those prisoners, it's an ideal situation to actually attain enlightenment. Well, let's go to Tony. Rand is asking on Facebook Live, why is it such a widespread misunderstanding that people can send merit who have passed on? Thank you, sir. Sure. This is the impermanence of the Buddhist teachings that he taught 2,500 years ago. And then as time went forward over the last 2,500 years, people have changed and modified his teachings based on their own ego, based on their own craving, anger, and ignorance, that they were ignorant or unwise that they can't change the Buddhist teachings. And people's egos got involved and they started teaching that, oh yeah, if you pour this water or you say this chant or you do these offerings that you can help people in the past uh, that have already died. And if somebody has access to the true teachings of the Buddha and they learn the true teachings, they can see that this isn't true. But because of craving, anger, ignorance, or the unknowing of true reality, there's a lot of people in the world that think that they can attain enlightenment by themselves. There's a lot of people that think you can just meditate your way to enlightenment. There's a lot of people who think that you can pray or worship your way to enlightenment. There's people who think that you shouldn't try to get to enlightenment, that you should be reborn and that you should encourage and revel in rebirth. There's all kinds of lack of wisdom throughout the world around these teachings. And that's why it's so important that you go back to the words of the Buddha. It's a Buddha that is perfectly fully enlightened. Their wisdom is very deep, very profound. They attained enlightenment by themselves without the help of any other teachers or guides. So therefore, they know 100% with certainty exactly what it takes to get to enlightenment. Where other beings can get to enlightenment, but they have a certain amount of information or thoughts in their mind that isn't exactly the pure path to enlightenment. They kind of have this baggage or this excess baggage. But a fully perfectly enlightened Buddha doesn't have that because they weren't influenced by others. So anything that a Buddha is teaching is going to be very precise, very concise, and exactly what leads to enlightenment. But over 2,500 years, people's egos came into it. They started changing and modifying a Buddha's teachings, which they didn't understand because of their lack of wisdom that as soon as they start modifying and changing the teachings of a Buddha, this is actually detrimental and so harmful to the world when someone starts changing a Buddha's teachings. In volume 12 of this book series that I wrote, there was research done where they traced the exact person and teachings to why people today believe that you can actually help people that have died in the past 
you'll see that in volume 12 where there's actual research that was done to trace it to an exact person. And it was an ordained practitioner that started teaching that you could actually help people in the past that have already died. But this isn't true whatsoever. And as long as you understand the truth and you can independently verify the teachings and start practicing, then what other people believe and what other people practice, that's up to them. It doesn't affect you. We don't need to go out and convince other people what the truth is, but you need to do the work to independently verify the teachings so that you know what the truth is. And then you can arise wisdom and start practicing generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. That's where you'll experience the benefits and the results of your decisions. But those people are gonna experience the results of their decisions. That if they think that they can do something in this life to help people in the past, then they're still living in delusion or confusion or the unknowing of true reality. There's still ignorance and a lack of wisdom in the mind. Therefore, they're going to continue to struggle and have difficulties on this path because their mind still has craving, anger, and ignorance. But what they do is up to them. We're not judging them. We're not looking down on them. We're not thinking they're a bad person. But just understand that that's their life. And then you cultivate the generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom in your mind so that you are actually getting closer and closer to enlightenment. Many thanks, teacher. That's all the questions for today. All right. Well, I would like to thank all of you for attending today's class, whether you're attending live or you're listening to this in the replay. The natural law of gamma is a vital aspect of awakening to the wisdom of the Buddha and awakening to enlightenment. Without an understanding and a deep understanding of the natural law of gamma, you wouldn't be able to get to enlightenment. You need to understand that it's craving anger and ignorance that is producing the unwholesome results in your life. And it's generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom that is producing the wholesome results. Because now by functioning through generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom, you will then make wiser and wiser decisions producing wholesome results in your life. In next week's class on Sunday, we're going to be in chapter 10, which is titled, What is Merit? I'm going to be helping you understand merit as it's a unique type of wholesome gamma that you can generate and that you're going to need to generate in order to get to enlightenment. You need to understand the three poisons, which was last week. You needed to understand what is gamma. And now we can introduce what is merit because these things all will help you to further awaken to the wisdom of the Buddha. So I'm going to be sharing that in next Sunday's class. This Wednesday, Bassam's going to be sharing breathing mindfulness meditation with you. It's going to be a Zoom-only class. You can join in Zoom and you guys can meditate together. Now that I'm traveling, Bassam and Miranda are teaching the Wednesday classes and I'm only teaching Saturday and Sundays. So you can join the Zoom-only classes and meditate together and then ask Bassam any questions from your practice that you might have. You can still send me a private message or ask questions in the Facebook group. I'm still answering all those things. I'm not doing personal guidance sessions while I'm traveling, but I'm still answering questions in Facebook and so forth. So thank you all for your determination, your dedication, and your diligence to learn and practice these teachings. I really appreciate that you're applying the effort to learn and practice, improving the decisions that you're making and getting to a improved results in your life. Because as you improve your wisdom, making wiser decisions in life, it's helping you, it's helping those close to you and all of humanity. Because by you not causing harm in the world, 
then harm isn't coming to you. But also by you not causing harm in the world, that's less harm for others to deal with. So by you practicing harmlessness, it's helping you, those close to you, and all of humanity. I'll see you in a future class. Have a very lovely rest of your day. Sawadikap. 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 Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.